are listening to a podcast from The National. VAT. Not many business days left until it comes into effect in the UAE. Almost upon us. Are you ready? The National's been trying to get you ready. In August, we brought you everything we know about VAT. Since then, we've learned even more. Today, we're going to dot the I's and cross the T's. Welcome to The National's Business Extra podcast from our newsroom in Abu Dhabi. I'm Mustafa Al-Rawi, Assistant Editor-in-Chief. Our resident VAT expert, David Daly, who's also a consultant and CFO and partner at Argent Gulf Consulting, is with me today. David, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me back. You were with us for the uh, August uh, extravaganza. Uh, this is part two of that. Um, we had the executive relations, uh, executive regulations, if you like, uh, since then, um, which we were waiting for. Any major surprises? The key one was on fenced free zones, or what are called designated areas. Uh, the expectation at the time was that uh, places like Jebel Ali, Dubai Airport free zone, uh, would sit outside VAT. What they've done, and apparently the reasoning for it is uh, how to actually manage it as an environment, is VAT is going to apply to the full footprint of the country. That includes these fenced free zones, except where goods come into the country, into one of these designated zones, uh, these fence-free zones, and go back out again or move between them in country. So goods come into Jebel Ali free zone and then are moved across to uh, Dubai airport free zone and flown back out. That is the only case where VAT will not apply and that is only for physical goods. So re-export, the massive re-export business in the UAE, obviously both in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Sharjah, elsewhere. Um, you think about the number of goods that come in in all kinds of sectors and go straight out again. For yes. simplicity's sake, VAT, VAT does apply. not apply. Otherwise, VAT applies to everything. And is that right? I mean, we, we, we talked about lots of different sectors from financial services to retail to um, you name it. Um, was, was there anything that kind of caught you out in terms of the executive regulations that in a sector that were in, in a business that was exempt or not exempt or zero rated or not zero rated that you thought it would be? No. Uh, in fairness to the Federal Tax Authority in the various seminars that's held throughout the year, uh, all the big items are pretty much where you expect them to be. If anything, uh, the executive regulations is more about what wasn't there. It was a rather thin document. I'm minded of an old friend of mine from university who spoke about a friend's thesis as being less of a document and more of a pamphlet. Uh, I would have expected a lot more page count. And why is it important to have so many pages at this stage? I mean, surely when we're trying to get our head, heads around this topic, maybe less is more at this stage? It might be, but I'll give you one example. Let's think about at what point does VAT become live? And I'm talking about time. Uh, the executive regulations do talk about it, but it's not exactly clear. So, for example, for a hotel, does VAT come into being at one second past midnight on uh, January 2018, or is it 7 a.m.? And if you read the executive regulations, it's not entirely clear to me. And we are in a country uh, which will be operating in a normal manner into the small hours of uh, January the 1st. And I'm not entirely sure, based on my reading of the regulations, uh, how exactly that's going to work. And that's a worry. So you're a business now. Uh, you're coming up to the deadline for VAT. In August, you said the, if the big businesses hadn't sorted it out by then, they were already too late. Mm -hmm. uh, but the SME still had a chance, but there was some issue over enough technical expertise being in country to help them. 
Uh, is your view changed at all? Oh, not at all. Um, big entities are now far, far, far too late if they haven't started. Uh, some medium enterprises are also too late unless they're in a, a, a simple uh, operational environment. Uh, from a technical expertise point of view, as a bit of panic has managed to now kick in. Uh, and I think last week's comments on uh, the radio by uh, a senior uh, Emirati member of the Federal Tax Authority, where he stated, I don't understand all these rumours about VAT being um, um, put off for a few months. It is not true. It is happening on January the 1st. That has got people kicking into action, but they've left it so late, really have. So people thought like so many other things that they announce um, and then effectively delay, even if they don't officially. Yeah. That people had that expectation of, oh, I'm not going to worry about VAT until it actually comes. But perhaps people have misunderstood because we talked about this in the last show about the fact that it's potentially going to bring in in its second year something like a third of the federal budget equivalent, right? This is real money. You delay, you, you delay this by a day or a week or a month, that's money you're not getting in your pocket. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the example people go back to is the Emirates ID. It took a few years before it eventually uh, came in full time, but there was no real revenue effect on the government. Uh, 13 billion in 2018 is 26% of the government revenues, and it's uh, 20 billion the year afterwards, which is going to be a third or more. Uh, this is happening. Yeah. And, and if you, you believe that you possibly couldn't uh, possibly be caught out. Um, what you're finding now is there are certain businesses that are just saying, okay, we're going to suspend normal operations until we see exactly what the lay of the land is on January 1st, 2nd or 3rd. But how, how does a normal economy function if you know businesses in various sectors are saying, okay, we're not going to process anything now until the end of the year? I mean, effectively, do, does everything grind to a halt? It won't, because there are going to be businesses that are ready. There was a an excellent uh, piece by a CEO in the fit-out sector uh, released during the summer, and he made the point accurately that those businesses which were prepared, had things in order, and planned for VAT would gain a competitive advantage. And I would imagine across any sector of um, industry uh, in the UAE, there is going to be enough players to supply demand in the market, and they are going to be in a position to take advantage. We are going to see firms disappear because they weren't ready. I'm going to talk about the fines in a minute because um, that wasn't the executive regulations. Um, uh, it came out a few months ago, but then today they put out a full statement of, of what the penalties would be. Mm -hmm. uh, I'll get to that in a second. I'd, I'd rather just focus on uh, just some of these sectors. So no surprises in financial services. We talked about that. We said that there would be a difference between the services that f are fee chargeable and the interest, the interest would not be vatable, mm -hmm. but a service that requires a fee would be vatable. That's correct. Uh, financial services is the most difficult area from a VAT compliance perspective because you have bifurcation. What that means is you have you exist in a VAT environment and a VAT exempt environment. They're two very different things. Uh, and it's a moving beast because the balance between uh, exempt uh, revenue and uh, VAT chargeable revenue is moving from quarter to quarter and you need to track it. Uh, but there was no real surprises. And uh, we we speculated in education, an informed speculation that, uh, you know, school fees would be uh, exempt, which mm -hmm. they are. No, they're zero rated. Zero they're not rated. exempt. Yeah, Forgive me. Zero rated, uh, which is better for the schools because then they can claim back that. And also it implies in the future that the rate could change. Yes, point. absolutely. Zero rate means it can become a rate. Um, how that's likely to change, we don't know. But yes, technically it could. And I believe in Saudi, they actually 
are, are vatting private schools. Much, I think it's it's not quite the same uh, level of penetration of private schooling compared to the UAE. But it's yeah. an indication that it could be in the future. Yeah, I, again, you're absolutely right. Saudi's a very different market. You don't have the same degree of expats. I mean, if you consider that 90% of this country is expat, uh, you have a very different environment to Saudi where, actually, I must admit, I don't know what the proportions are, but I would imagine it would be reversed. Well, it definitely, they, they have a lot of foreigners, but not, not quite as many in proportion as the mm. UAE. Um, then uh, telecommunications, uh, VAT will apply to your Etisalat and do bills. Yeah, no great surprises. Which, which impacts everybody in the country, obviously. Um, healthcare. Uh, now, this is a difference between sort of basic healthcare and elective. Mm-hmm. So you're, as we talked before, your nose job, uh, yep. not that you need one, David, Thank you. Um, will be vatable, but uh, your general healthcare will not be. But then we had a question about health insurance. Yeah, health insurance uh, will be vatable. But if you think about it, everybody's health insurance is generally provided by an entity. So that entity will provide the uh, health insurance as part of your employment contract, in which case they will reclaim the VAT. So there's no additional cost to the business for supplying it to you. Obviously, where you're uh, buying your own health insurance because you mightn't have family as part of your role, you're going to have to suck that cost up. Um, The two things out on the health side are what happened, the the line between what's elective and what's required by treatment. So there are going to be times where uh, that's going to be questionable. Do you really need it? Don't you need it? Because uh, that will apply in one case and it won't in the other. How that arbitration is going to work, I don't know. Um, and the law is not entirely clear on it. Uh, what happens where it gets challenged? Uh, a doctor's word gets challenged for one reason or another. That I can't answer. The other one is on medical devices. Uh, There were supposed to be exceptional items. I think it was 89 or 90 of them. We don't have that list yet. And we don't have the list of medicines either. Or the list of medicines, yeah. Which I assume will be quite extensive um, given some of the conditions here. Very possibly. Yes, absolutely. And so uh, we also had utilities, uh, water and electricity are goods. They're they're being uh, considered as goods and VAT will be levied. And petrol and diesel, yep. by the VAT. same token, you know, most energy. Not crude, though. That wasn't listed in that yes. <laughs> quite significantly. Um, and we talked about it before, aviation and actually all transport is, uh, is zero. considered exempt. Is zero rated. Is zero it? rated, yeah. Um, which, which will be uh, pleasing to the, mm-hmm. uh, the transport company. What is exempt is local transport. That's exempt rather than zero rated. Yes, so, so taxis again, slightly and different. buses and uh, yeah. Ubers and, mm-hmm. and, and whatnot, which, again, you know, I think day-to-day impacts people yeah. significantly, uh, which is important. Uh, we talked about construction a lot, and particularly the construction sector having a huge, huge amount of responsibility, right, to keep mm-hmm. themselves in check when it came to VAT, the amount of supplies they're dealing with. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's a business that really is going to be at the front, the sharp end of VAT. You would Absolutely, think. and it's going to be most difficult, uh, really, for the large developers Consider any large developer. They may have three to five projects ongoing. So they're probably going to be raising one invoice a month uh, for each one of those. So they don't have much in terms of output VAT complications uh, in terms of reporting. But they could have thousands of suppliers. And one of their big risk is that any one of those is fraudulent. So imagine the scenario where one of your suppliers who's been charging you a VAT, who's given you a VAT registration certificate, and then turns out that they just photoshopped somebody else's and shoved their own number in. 
when they disappear, the uh, FTA, the Federal Tax Authority, can come to you and go, you have incorrectly been reclaiming VAT on their invoices because they were not properly registered, and you will have to pay that VAT back. Now, you can uh, protect yourself against that by demanding that suppliers that you're slightly suspect about get certified VAT registration certificates, and that will cost that supplier 500 dirham a time. So keep that in mind. So everyone has to be super vigilant in the early days, yes. I guess. You're policing each other. Corners will be cut, maybe. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, think of it like this. I, if, I, um, if I raise an invoice on you, for example, uh, I need to make sure that the invoice I raise on you is compliant with the uh, tax invoice document layout rules. At the same time, you need to make sure that what I've done is correct because I'm making an error in sending you uh, something which isn't actually a tax invoice and you've processed it. So you've reclaimed VAT on an invoice which is not a tax invoice. So we're going to be policing each other. It would be like a bunch of animals pulling insects out of each other's hair. There'd be an element to that. Uh, with me is David Daly. Uh, we're going through sort of everything we want. We know about VAT part two, hopefully the concluding chapter of VAT with only days to go until the January <laughs> tick deadline. Tick tock, Indeed. So uh, paint me a picture, David, of how you think midnight oh, plus one minute is going to be on January 1st. It doesn't exactly have to be midnight. It could be the, the, the morning after uh, while everyone celebrates in the new year what that's going to be like in VAT terms. I mean, I assume that the retail and hospitality and leisure, given that it's a holiday, right, in this country, will be bearing the uh, the brunt of sort of the VAT reality. Yes. Uh, for the vast bulk of individuals, they'll be just nursing heads. Uh, for businesses... I would like to think that those people who are who've got so many transactions on a daily basis will have to be the most prepared. I mean, if you're a business selling services where you invoice uh, weekly or monthly, you've got maybe a couple of more days to try and get yourself on top of a few last details. If you're a supermarket like Carrefour, you don't have that time. Receipts. Right, yeah. they have to change, don't they? January first. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, uh, I wrote about this in my last article in the National. Uh, you have an issue in uh, the retail environment. I go to a furniture shop. I'm a business. I buy some kit, and I ask for a tax invoice. Uh, most retailers these days use thermal printers. Uh, it's more environmentally friendly. The problem with your thermal uh, invoice is the ink disappears. And if you look at any of your old supermarket invoices, and it's ubiquitous, uh, after five six months, they're blank. If the tax inspector turns up a few years later and asks to see that record in support of your claim for uh, VAT that you have claimed back, it's blank. You haven't got a receipt. You can't use a photocopy. You must have the original. And you're going to get fined because you have no way to prove that you correctly claimed. So the next morning, the next week, the next month, we're into January. We assume everything's gone smoothly in the UAE and, and Saudi Arabia. Yet, as you were saying a bit earlier, we're self-policing as much as anything. And But there are fines and there are realities to not getting things right. Uh, so I mentioned earlier that we'll go through the fines a little bit. So I, to give a flavor, um, the first time that you are accused or found to have failed to keep records... You've got to pay 10,000 dirhams. Mm -hmm. Any time after that, it's 50,000 for you not keeping correct records. Yes. And actually, let's compound that because that's the fine. So uh, that's just for record keeping. Say one of those record keeping incidents was a failure to raise a tax invoice uh, within uh, 14 days of the VAT event. We can talk about that later if you like. Uh, the that's VAT another event. I like that phrase. 
Yeah, okay, put it like this. Um, up to now, the vast bulk of us are used to something called a cash event. You buy a car, 1.2 million, got a lovely Lamborghini, well done. Um, and that is a cash event. You hand over cash, you have a car. The accounting event is taking, recognising the cost of that car over its life. Maybe you do it over five years. So you would have a charge each month, and each month you would have an accounting event. The VAT event is different, because the VAT event is the earlier off, the invoice raised, cash received, or goods and service delivered. So imagine, for some reason, you get the car first on the 30th of a month, you get the invoice the following month, and you pay for it maybe a month later. So you've got the VAT event happening in one period, the accounting event happening in another, and the cash event happening in a third. But from a VAT reporting point of view, you are going to have to report it happening in the period that it happened in. And the thing is, for most of us who keep records, we track everything on an accounting event basis, in which case you are now incorrect in terms of your VAT return and you're open to penalties. So you have to change the way that you account. Absolutely. Invoices raised are now going to have to have two date fields. The first one is the data supply or the VAT event. And the second one is the document date. That's your accounting event. It's it's these are a lot of events. Yes, to keep track of. Yeah, they are. So so the chances are a lot of people are going to slip up. A lot of companies are going to slip up. Oh, absolutely. Uh, no question about it. I mean, we are in an environment, and I spoke about this last time. I spoke about the difference between financial accounts and management accounts. A financial accountant sitting here will tell you there are two glasses on the table. The management accountant will tell you why they're there, why there's some missing, why there's any there at all. And that is one of the things we miss in this country. We're very cash accounting, very financially accounting driven. We don't seem to care why things are happening, but just that we can uh, count what has happened. And we are going to have to change how we work. Uh, explain that to me. You know, what's the benefit of changing the way we work? And what, what is, what's the advantage here? Is it, is it because we just have to stay VAT compliant? Or is there a sort of wider efficiency to be gained. Absolutely. I mean, maybe from an efficiency point of view, maybe there shouldn't be two glasses on the table. Maybe they should be different sized glasses. Uh, we should know why we're doing things, not just the quantitative or not just the quantity of what's happening. Uh, because how can you possibly make decisions if you don't understand the underlying reasoning as to something that's happening, as opposed to just counting the heads? I get the heart of the matter here is the VAT, and we, we touched upon this last time, and I guess it's worth raising again, given that we're very close to the deadline, is that this is all part of the appropriate direction which this economy should take. It's mm -hmm. all part of the, the maturity cycle. It's all part of helping the entire economy become more productive, more efficient, which is very much in line with everything else that's going on. Absolutely. The UAE is growing up and everybody is going to have to grow up with it. There are going to be entities and people who are going to scream blue murder, pretty much like a four-year-old having a tantrum. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it, this is a good thing. This is a healthy thing. And we have had enough notice. They started talking about this formally in July last year. And the question I would ask is, where were you? Well, they, obviously, it takes time for culture to change. And part mm. of the culture, as we touched upon, was that you know people assumed that it would just get delayed. So back to the back to the penalties, just to, mm -hmm. to, to the dose of reality that we're trying <laughs> to give our listeners. Um, incorrect tax return, fixed uh, penalty the first time of three thousand dirhams, but you could pay up to fifty percent of the due amount, uh, the the, inc the amount that was not paid because of the mistake. Um, as an extra penalty, up to 50%. But interestingly, if you make an incorrect tax return um, and you realize it before the tax authority does and you go and you own up to it, you only pay a 5% additional penalty. That's a good thing. Um, 
the reality is if we're trying to get people to take things seriously, sometimes uh, penalties have to be applied. Um, I, I, I always look to the roads here. Uh, the roads are a lot safer than they used to be. And that's because the authorities clamped down. They put in a regime which penalised people and eventually they stopped. And that's fundamentally what's happening here. More business extra in just a moment. But first, allow me to tell you about The National's other podcasts. Beyond the Headlines takes a deeper dive into the biggest news from the week with a distinct Middle Eastern point of view. And extra time from our esteemed sports desk is the best place to chat about the English Premier League and more. Subscribe to both shows as well as this one on Apple Podcasts or find us as always at thenational.ae. Now we're talking about VAT in the UAE, imminent be upon us on January 1st. We have very close to home, uh, in India, a really good example of a recent introduction of um, a countrywide tax, in this case, the goods and sales tax. Uh, Rebecca Bunden, our correspondent in Mumbai, uh, went out to kind of show us a little bit of the flavor and color of what the experience was on July 1st when India introduced its own tax regime. In Mumbai's largest gold market, Chaveri Bazaar, doing business has lost some of its shine for jewellers since the introduction of India's new goods and services tax, or GST, in July. Kumar Jain owns a jewellery shop in the market. He recalls the confusion when the new tax was first rolled out. Uh, basically, uh, GST was introduced on the 1st of July. That time, it was a big problem for the industry. Prior, it was very easy, straight away customer come, we used to make the bill, but now here that entire system has changed. So this is becoming a very tough, very difficult. But now we have hired a chartered accountant, we need to pay him a very extra amount. GST is a uniform tax regime which unites India into a single market, often described as the biggest tax reform since India's independence, under which products fall under different slabs, but are taxed at the same rate across the country. The main tax slabs range between 5 and 28%. Its launch was met with opposition from certain quarters, with some trade unions conducting protests against its implementation as they objected to some of the rates and requirements. GST requires businesses to file regular returns online, and transitioning has not been easy for everyone. GST had been planned for a decade, but there was some scepticism about whether it would actually come into effect. Nishank Goyal, the chief executive of Masters India, a tax solutions company, explained some of the challenges that companies faced as a result. Because a lot of companies were not uh, planning for this. So when GST was implemented, right, uh, uh, I think most of the businesses in the country were going with the attitude where they were thinking that this will not happen. And uh, it was, it happened basically. And... Uh, and then um, a lot of companies were not prepared. And uh, they were not prepared in terms of uh, their uh, how the transactions would be done under GST. Their systems were not prepared, their IT systems especially. So they were to be upgraded to the newest tax regime. They were not prepared for finding. Uh, their uh, uh, knowledge about GST was limited. The Indian government on its part has argued that GST will ultimately improve the ease of doing business in the country, increase tax collections and boost the country's GDP. But in the short term, analysts say it has been hampering the economy. India's GDP growth came in at 6.3% in the quarter between July and September, compared to 7.5% a year earlier. 
N. Chandramuli, the chief executive of TRA Research, an insights firm in Mumbai, says that companies have been hit by GST, which in some cases they have to pay before they have received payments from clients, restricting their flow of capital. It's going into now the government kitty. In one way. Before, I mean, even before it's been collected from the client. So that has completely, uh, I think, uh, put a lock on what wings the businesses can take. So they're not able to do anything new because of the cash flow systems. I know of companies which have delayed salaries for the first time and they have now come to this. So this is, a, I think, a very serious problem. While GST is great, wonderful in order to be able to, you know, kind of ensure that you pay regularly, government collects taxes and spends, but at the same time, there is no realistic approach towards GST. They have not implemented it well. The government has reacted to concerns about GST and has made changes to the system after its introduction, including reducing the rates on a number of goods. Several months on, adapting to the tax is still a challenge, Kumar Jain says, but he thinks that things will improve and that GST could be good for everyone in the long term. Now the GST is what? One tax. Straight pay GST to the government, so that way today it is very difficult, but tomorrow I think so it will be very comfortable for the industry at the same time for the people who are paying the tax. You're listening to the Business Extra podcast. That was Rebecca Bundan in Mumbai. Um, with me in Abu Dhabi is David Daly. We're talking through the uh, everything we know about VAT part two, the final conclusion ahead of January 1st. Um, so, David, we've kind of touched upon a lot of different topics, um, sort of the realities of not being ready um, the possible penalties. We've heard about some of the experiences in, in other countries. From your gut feeling right now, um, having sort of been following this now since last year, you know, what's your, what's your report card on, on, on everyone so far with VAT? I will be surprised if half the entities in this country that should be registered for VAT are registered for VAT in time. And I think there's, what, 600,000 entities in the country? So let's assume uh, 200,000 of them haven't registered. Okay? It's a 20,000 dirham fine if you're not registered when you should be. And my computer in front of me says the value of that fine would be 4E plus 11. So I can't even give you a number, but I can tell you it's substantial. Um, what entities can do uh, if they're running out of time is to try and put in a, 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 a literally a sticky plaster, which is to put in probably a simple accounting solution and try as much as possible to mitigate the penalties they are going to be paying. Okay, let's let's and and certainly that's true, and that's going to be the the case for certain institutions, companies, and individuals that pass the mandatory threshold of 375,000 dirhams a year to be tax registered. But what about the good stories? I mean, there have to be people that have embraced this. There have to be companies that have been ready and and, and have kind of gone through the hard changes that need to be made. Because for some people, their accounting systems are archaic. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, but yet they've done it, right? Yeah, people have done it. And they are the businesses which are going to steal a march next year. Think of it from a business operations point of view. What you should be doing as a business is trying to deliver on your customers and create additional opportunities down the line. If you don't have any concerns next year about VAT, you're going to be focusing on just that, driving your business. If what you're going to be doing next year between January, March and April is trying to resolve all the VAT headache that you have, then you're not focusing on your business. You're going to lose market share. You are going. It is going to be easier by the end of next year to see what entities were on top of things.
because they're going to be uh, the ones which have been growing in market share and you're going to be looking at entities which are disappearing. Again, I think this is healthy for the country because now you have a more, you're moving towards a more efficient economy which has been driven by a tax, which, okay, we mightn't like, but it's not a bad thing. I mean, we've, we've talked about forecasts before, and there's supposed to be, according to the official forecast, a 2.5% one-time increase in, in prices next mm-hmm. year. Um, we, we also touched upon the fact that some prices would have gone up already in 2017, so we might not feel mm-hmm. might not feel it because yep. it's been more gradual. But it's not going to be a shock, right? I mean, no. there's no, no sense of that. No, there isn't. And we're I think we're used to, in uh, the UAE, seeing prices rise. They have been softening uh, as the economy has softened globally, not just here. Um, So we have seen a softening in in certain uh, priced items. This will just slow that down a piece. Uh, Prices that are rising will rise a little bit more. I don't think it's going to affect anybody's life that drastically. So the businesses on one hand, the individuals on another, um, some interesting lifestyle questions, I guess. Um, One of the things I saw in in a presentation from the Federal Tax Authority was Social media influencers would be subject to to VAT on the services they provide, I guess. Um, yeah. into, they are effectively a marketing service. Absolutely. Um, so they're going to be receiving income from uh, various uh, products uh, or brands that they are supporting. So they are going to invoice for that. And if that's in excess of 375,000 dirham, that is fee income. Uh, salaries, where you're an employee of an entity, they don't have VAT. But if you're an external party and you are invoicing for monies, then you are effectively a business. You should have a trade license. And if you're trading over 375,000 dirham, you have to be registered and charge VAT. And also from a sort of technology, modern society point of view, uh, the likes of Netflix are mm-hmm. also subject to VAT as well because they come to the telecommunication service, mm-hmm. you know, the on-demand uh, video streaming, music streaming, mm-hmm. Apple Music, Angami, these guys. And, you know, it, it, it's funny how compared to previous tax regimes, all the different things that the government has to think of now in terms of, of what technology brings you. Absolutely. And again, I go back to what I was saying at the start about the executive regulations being a bit light in terms of documentation. Um, there's enough air, I suppose, or space between uh, the clauses to allow for interpretation. The problem with that is it creates doubt. Uh, but you're absolutely right. There, is mu- there are many more channels than there were uh, many years ago. Um, And we will get clarity on uh, test cases, and there will be cases, plenty of them, uh, as we move forward. And certain certain retailers, I won't say who they are, um, are paperless. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be an issue, isn't it? Supposed to, you're supposed to issue a paper invoice you with a VAT related to every every good and service. Right? You are now. The executive regulations do allow for electronic invoicing, uh, and there's a fee to register your system for that. The detailing on how that actually works, what's considered to com- be a compliance system, I don't know because I haven't seen it. Uh, but I've got to imagine, let's use an example, uh, why not Amazon, who are registered for VAT in the UAE and will be charging it to consumers and businesses alike. Uh, as you rightly point out, your invoice will probably come as an email, although they might attach it to the goods which are delivered unless it's an electronic purchase. How is that going to work? I don't know because the detail isn't there. Now, I've got to assume an entity as large as that is uh, resolving that in the background. Uh, so we're going to find out in due course. And that's easier for a large entity with very deep pockets um, to work directly and uh, get that issue resolved. What happens to the smaller players who are trying to muscle their way in and grow? That's a different beast. 
So hopefully you're either too big or too small, but somewhere in the middle, you're going you're gonna to perhaps have to, to deal with the realities that aren't quite so smooth. Basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, I'm a tourist uh, in the UAE. I bought my uh, goods and I'm going to a, a country outside of the region even, let's say, beyond the GCC. We don't know exactly how many GCC countries will be vatable beyond the UAE and Saudi uh, in 2018, but let's assume all of them are mm-hmm. for the sake of argument. Yep. And then I go to, say, Jordan or somewhere else. Uh, can I get a refund on my VAT? The law talks about a refund scheme. The reality is that it's typically run by third parties. So because the uh, VAT level is so low, it's unlikely... Low, you mean because it's 5%. It's only 5%. It's unlikely that any commercial entity will step in to provide the service. Now, as VAT starts to rise, and it will, I mentioned before, the OECD average is 19.6%, and it will go up, uh, then you will start to see uh, commercial entities stepping into that space to provide that service. But that is highly unlikely in the early days. And that's because in the UK, it's around 20%, but I usually see around 11 or 12% yeah. re- refund. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a margin there. Yes. So on 5%, the margin would you'd be getting 1% back, which isn't uh, worth the time yeah, queuing absolutely. up in the airport. Yeah, right? nobody's going to provide the service. So that possibly comes later. Um, what about if I'm actually shopping, say, in Europe, um, and uh, I get my VAT refund, and I bring my uh, snakeskin uh, boots back that I've bought, mm-hmm. um, will I be charged VAT in the airport? You should uh, over a certain level, and I might be wrong here, but I think the level is 3,000 dirham. So in theory, when you arrive into the country, you should declare it and pay uh, tax coming into the country. So 5%. Yeah. So essentially there is a difference. So you get your 11% refund. Oh, and import duty, which is another 5 Right. Because that's a good coming into the country. And then there's the VAT on top. Although typically, if you're flying through the airport, you don't usually get charged the import duty. Typically. Pass. I must admit, I haven't, yeah. I haven't brought in many my, snakeskin pairs of shoes yet. Uh, my ambition <laughs> is to. I haven't, haven't done it quite yet. Um, and then, uh, you know, looking ahead to, to, to sort of six months from now, do we expect that it will all have been a storm in a teacup? No, uh, I don't think so. I think it'll take a lot longer to bed down. And that's fundamentally because um, you, what you're going to have in January is a lot of entities that haven't registered because they didn't believe it was going to happen. Uh, so once they actually see that it has happened, panic will then kick in for those entities. Uh, and that will probably take months to resolve because some of these are large companies. So imagine that would take six to nine months to resolve. So that's going to roll through the year. What's going to happen? The next phase of issues after that is once the inspections start um, in any uh, um, sizable quantity and people who put poor solutions in place or patchy solutions in place uh, discover that they're non-compliant down the line. And remember that the penalties will apply from the date of infraction, i.e. if it happens from January 1, the penalties will apply from that point forward. Uh, so they're going to end up going through another, an exercise again, except this time they're going to have to do it properly. So I think this is going to rumble on for a couple of years. But from a consumer point of view, you're probably not going to notice because it's going to be happening in people's offices. And uh, so we look ahead. Uh, not, not much time left until January 1st. Uh, what's the, uh, the three things that you would impart to our listeners uh, ahead of January 1st? What's the best bit of advice you can give them? Not necessarily technically, but in terms of, of, the, of their approach to dealing with this new VAT future that we okay. have. Okay. Number one, accept it's happening. Uh, <laughs> that's absolutely critical. Number two, if you haven't registered, register. You're going to get fined, but anyway, get it done because you cannot 
charge VAT unless you have a VAT number. You have enough problems. So get that done. And number three, if you cannot get around the enormity of the project in front of you, come up with a realistic plan which at least mitigates uh, or at least allows you from a, 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 a documentation point of view to comply as best as you possibly can. Get help from somebody who knows what they're doing. David Daly, our resident expert on VAT, thanks again for a wonderful chat. Thank you we very much. We'll have to bring you back again in three months so that <laughs> we can so we can see how, how the next few months have been. True. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This has been the Business Extra podcast. This has been Everything We Know About VAT Part 2. Please download this podcast and all the other Nationals' content on Apple Podcasts or wherever you got this one. Of course, our fuller coverage on VAT and other issues is at thenational.ae. Hope you have a good day. Join us again next week.